Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Today, Youth Sunday, we are on a series called The Rock. And what we're doing is we're starting the year off um, with our foundations on the scriptures. Um, And I've been asked to come and take you on a journey through the story of the scriptures, through the entire story that it tells. And it's so important um, to start our year off in the scriptures, one, because Jesus had a very high view of the scriptures, and two, he saw himself in direct continuation and connection to the scriptures. So it's super important, and that's why we're starting this series off um, on the Bible, and hopefully you got a handout. Um, Not all of the verses I'm going to share are on there. there, They are on our app if you want to follow on there, Um, but otherwise we've got the points on the the handout. Um, But I'm very excited to share with you guys today. Um, Is it cool if we get into the word? Let's do it. Okay, so we're going to get in. Um, I'm excited to share. Um, and again, I'm going to be basically today going at 30,000 feet. Bird's eye view of the story that the Bible is telling from beginning to end. Um, and it's so important to have a grasp on the whole story. Let me explain. So my wife and I, um, we have been watching a little more Netflix than usual. Um, we, uh, we have a one-year-old who goes to sleep at 7.30, and our apartment is pretty small, and we, she sleeps in a den, so it doesn't have a door. So she goes to sleep. We can make absolutely no noise. <laughs> like, the house has to shut down because, like, she goes to sleep. She doesn't have a door. We can't even, like, watch TV, like, in our living room. We're in our room with, like, an iPad just, like, <laughs> watching Netflix laying there just, like, okay, that, like, that's how we spend our evenings. I know, glamorous, super cool. Yeah, we're awesome. Um, and so one of the things that is kind of interesting and gets a little rough and hurts one of our feelings is when one of us decides to watch a show without the other one. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say who. One of us decides to watch a television show, start a television show without the other one. And, and it's, I mean, it hurts one of our feelings. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, but do you know what the hardest part about it is? Hard is, besides the betrayal, um, it's the hardest part about it is the fact that when the other person decides to sit in on said television show after the person has watched, you know, nine or ten episodes, and I know this is a young person illustration, but just stick with me. I promise it'll make sense. So when the other person decides to sit in, the other person who's been watching the show feels obligated to fill the other person in on everything that's been going on because you don't want them to just sit there like bored not understanding the episode you're about to watch, right? So you're about to watch like a 20-minute episode, but before you do, you have to spend like an hour explaining like, oh, this is what this happened, and okay, this person is this person, and that's this person, and oh, and this person, they're kind of funny, but they're like this, and they'll do that, and these two people are dating. So you have to like fill in on the backstory because you could watch the episode, right? Like if the one who hasn't been watching it watches the episode, 
you watch it and you'll get some of the jokes and you'll probably be entertained and sure, it's, you know, it's great, it's a funny show, cool, I like it. But the other person would know, man, like they're not like really getting all of it. You know, like there's so much to like backstory. There's so much to understand. Like they, to really get it, like they really have to like understand and know all of these things. And see, it's the same with the scriptures. Let me explain. A lot of times we read the scriptures sort of lucky picking style, right? Like you, you flip through, you land on a page and then you read a verse. It's like, okay, read it, cool, cool, cool. And, and it's awesome. You get, a, you get like a life lesson from it. You get an encouragement. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's great. Like that's awesome. I mean, no one's gonna sit down and read the whole Bible every day, but, um, but we read it that way and you get something out of it and it's awesome. But the thing is, to truly understand that one verse or that one episode, you have to know the backstory. You have to know what's been going on. You have to know where it sits in its place in the context of the whole story, which is why you read the Bible and you go to something like Leviticus, you know, or you go to a story where like a man kills an entire village in a whole town and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Or like Leviticus, like random laws and rules that you're like, those are kind of weird. Can we just New Testament, please? Like Paul, love is patient, love is, okay, that's, that's what I like, you know? And, and it's because in order to get the weird parts, in order to get the weird characters, in order to get the verse, the episode, you have to understand its place in the whole story. You got to know the backstory. So, Today, I want to fill you in as best as I can in the short amount of time on the story, 30,000 feet, that the Bible is telling. And hopefully it'll help you as we read through the scriptures um, and kind of knowing where everything sits. Is that cool? Are you ready? Are you going to be on this journey with me? Okay, because you got to be in it. It can't just be me. Be on on this journey. I'm excited. I am really pumped about this message. Um, So let's start. Let's kick it right off. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set up the story with the very beginning in Genesis. I'm going to kind of set it all up, and then we're going to fly through the Bible. So no better place to start than the beginning. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And then we're going to skip down to verse 31. It says, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. Cool, Eric. Yeah, I know this. I understand. Heard this before. Cool. Most of us have. And, and, but see, the thing is, if you study other... In our culture, this is normal. This is almost common knowledge. Um, many other cultures, many other world religions, this is scandalous. This is not at all the norm. There are many creation stories. There are many stories about how it all became. And this is actually not the norm. This is out of this world that there is one God who created a good world out of love and on purpose. Like there's stories of like a God was created us in all of this because he was trying to get back at another God. So like this is like normal to us, but this is not the norm in the world. This And it's important that we start here. So it's starts here. God created, there's a good God, created the good world, and he, um, at the end, it goes on, he brings light and water and brings order to our world, and then he goes on, and the last step, he creates humanity. He creates humans. 
I'm going to read that for you. It's in verse 27. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. So super important. This sets up the entire story. God created humans in his image. What in the world does that mean? So he created humanity in his image to do what? Fill the earth and govern it. So you could think of it like this. In his image, we were created sort of like an angled mirror to reflect the nature, the character to reflect God into the earth as we fill it, as we govern it, as we build culture and societies and towns and cities and families and homes. We are to reflect, made in the image of God, to reflect who God is into our world. But not only that, we are also the other way. We reflect the praises of the creation of God back to him. So that is our identity. As humans made by God, that is our vocation, our calling, who we are. We are made in the image of God. And then after this, you know what happens. Tells a story of two people, Adam and Eve, and the snake figure deceives them. God says, don't eat of, all the, uh, you, don't eat of this one. You can eat of all the other one. What do they do? They eat of this one. Um, and why is that a big deal? Like. Why, why does that why does that matter like they just they just ate of the fruit and see the thing is it's it, it's all connected to being made in the image of God and reflecting his nature and see because it's not just oh they broke a rule it's they went their own way it's an immediate they lose as humans when we go our own way we lose our identity and our calling and doing things as being reflections of God and reflecting the praises back to him as creation as creator we it is a giving up of their identity and their calling as humanity and so this sets up the problem that is going to run through the whole story God creates a good world he creates humanity in his image to fill and govern and then create and lead. And then we decide to go our own way. And so this creates the issue. And so the question after this is what is God going to do? What is God going to do about it? Because this brings, this decision to go our own way brings evil and injustice and sin and all of these different things into God's good world. Brokenness, all division, everything that we see, it brings all of this into God's good world. So what is he going to do about it? He has many choices. What is he going to do? So in the middle of this, there's this mess. Humanity chooses to go their own way, reject it. Evil, sin, injustice come. God, in the middle of this, he speaks to the snake. He speaks to the serpent. And this sets up the entire story. This is the first hint that we get of what God, what is God going to do? So it says this. I want to read it to you. It says, then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. Get this. This is the part I want you to get. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. 
So we get nothing else than this, but the first thing that I wanna point out to you, I'm gonna compile a list of promises as we travel through the Bible. The first one I want you to get is that God promises a wounded victor that will bring the snake to an end. So we don't get more than that. That's, that's, the just, that's just the beginning that we get. We don't get much more. You have to keep reading, but that starts it off with God. There's this mess, and he says, there will be a wounded victor that will bring the snake to an end. So as you move through the story, I'll be honest with you, it gets really weird. Really weird. Like there's like just lies and deception and all of this stuff that's going on. Like there's this guy who sings songs about how violent he is and how many women he has. And then it all like keeps escalating and it culminates in this tower of Babel where humanity is trying to build this structure for themselves. And yet God has to separate them because of their mistreating of each other and the injustice and all the mess that's going on. God has to separate them. And And so it all culminates and and that happens. And then all of a sudden in chapter 12, it all like zooms in. And and it's interesting because in in the prior verses, it's like traveling like hundreds of years at a time. And then verse of chapter 12, it just kind of zooms on this one random guy. And it's kind of a big deal because it's almost like someone telling the story of like how America was made. And they're like, oh, and then Eric was born. (laughs) It's like, oh, okay. So this, this is kind of a big deal. So they zoom in on this one guy named Abraham. And so there's this mess, Tower of Babel, God separates them, and then he speaks to this random guy. And he says this, he says, the Lord had said to Abram, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So this is the first development of that promise. So there is a wounded victor that will come to bring an end to the snake. And then in the middle of this mess of Tower and Babel and all that, God says, okay, you, Abraham, through your people, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So that's the second promise I want to do. Through the family of Abraham, the whole world will be blessed. So God, story continues. God calls Abraham, calls his people. Hey, be my representatives. Through you, all the earth will be blessed. And Abraham can't get it right. As you read, he lies. He also deceives. He himself, he can't get it right. Yet God is still faithful. God gives him a miraculous son named Isaac and then he has more children, Jacob, and then Jacob, who's later named Israel, he has 12 children. And these 12 children, um, he's, he's speaking to each one of them as he is about to pass. And what he says to one of them is very interesting, especially to this one child named Judah. Um, he says this to one of his children named Judah. He says, the scepter will not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from his descendants until the coming of the one to whom it belongs, the one whom all nations will honor. So what he's saying, he's saying, he's another development. He's saying through, through the woman, through Abraham, now through Judah, Judah, your line of people will be the people that will be the royal line. And through you, there will come the king whom all nations will honor. So that's the third thing. 
there will come, God promises a king that all the nations will honor. And so the story follows this family and they continue, they grow into a nation and God calls them to be his people. He takes them out of Egypt and calls them to be his people and, and, and yet they neither can also get it right. Yet God continues to be faithful. And as you read the story, they, they, seem, to, they seem to go beyond like insurmountable odds and God just continues to be faithful and he keeps repeating these promises to them. And then they have judges as they get into this land that God promised to take them. They have judges to rule over them. They can't get it right. They have a king that rules over him. He can't get it right. And then there's this one king. And it's the first king in the story, in the scene, pops into the scene that's from the family of David. Uh, from the line of Judah, sorry. <laughs> it's from the line of Judah. First king from the line of Judah. And as you're reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, is this it? Is this the wounded victor? Is this the king that all nations will honor? Is this, is this the guy? He, he fits all the criteria. Is it here? And as you read the story, nope. He can't get it right. Hey, God, he, he wants to build a temple to God, and God says, sorry, dude, you have too much blood on your hands from war, but your kingdom will last forever. It'll be through your descendants, and as a matter of fact, it will be your son that builds a temple for me. So guess what happens? Exactly that. That is exactly what happens. His son, Solomon, rises up and builds this temple for him. And then God speaks to him. And he says this. So God speaks to Solomon, David's son, and says, As for you, if you faithfully follow me as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty. For I made this covenant with your father David when I said, one of your descendants will always rule over Israel, but... If you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given to you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nation. So this nation grows. God calls them to be his people. They create a temple. They go into their new land. And God says, but if you go back to the evil and to the injustice and away from my ways that everyone else has been doing, then this will be gone. You will be taken from this land and this beautiful temple. It will be destroyed. And so guess what happens? Exactly that. That is what happens. Unfortunately, as you read through the story, they, guess what, can't get it right. And there is this nation named Babylon that comes, destroys the temple, and takes Israel away from their home into another land. And so there's this mess again. They're gone from their home. This beautiful, amazing temple that they've waited so long to make is gone. And there's a mess. What has God been doing when there's a mess? Remember Tower of Babel, big mess. The garden, humans rejecting, going their own way, big mess. What does God do? He repeats the promise. He speaks hope. So guess what God does in this mess? 
he repeats the promise. He speaks hope. So when they're in exile, when Babylon comes and takes them away, he repeats the promise. He's, there's this group of guys called the prophets. And I know they're not the funnest read, but they're, they're, they say some incredible things. They're beautiful and just, man, it's, it's an amazing portion. Um, but these prophets, they speak to them while they're in exile and they speak correction, they speak instruction, and they speak hope. And so I want to read to you what one of them says, and, I, and then I'm going to tie all this in together for you, and it's going to be awesome. So one of them, um, Isaiah, he says this, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Man, I, I, I love that they're in exile, yet God continues to repeat the promise. I love that they just had messed it all up. They went back to evil and injustice and, and they did not follow God and they went their own way, yet God has not given up. Yet God continues to be faithful. Yet God continues to carry the promise through. He says, out of the stump of David's family will grow you. I have not given up on you. I have not given up on this promise. I have not given up on what we're up to. I am continuing to pursue you. It's, that's some hope. That's some hope. I hope y'all are getting this. And he says, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the spirit. So he's talking about this shoot that will grow from the stump of David's family. So somebody who's going to come from the line of David. And he says, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. You gotta understand they're in chaos. All, everything they know has been taken away. They are in some other land. And he says, in that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. It's a picture of peace. It's finally at rest. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child will lead them all. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the seas, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. He will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. And there's so much to say, and there's so much these prophets speak. But the fourth thing I want to add to your list of promises just for today is a king from David's throne will bring renewal and restoration to Israel and all of God's creation. So, story continues, and so does the pattern continue. God continues to be faithful. God continues to repeat the promises even though humanity keeps going their own way. God continues and continues and continues to be faithful. And then, the Old Testament ends. Old Testament ends, and then there's about 400 years of nothing, just silence. 
There's silence from the last page of your Old Testament to the first page of your New Testament. There's absolutely nothing. But do you know how your New Testament begins? Do you know the very first verse that we have in our canon of the New Testament? Let me read it to you. It's in Matthew 1, 1. It says, this is a record of the ancestors. Okay, can I stop there for a second? It might be the Netflix, but a record of the ancestors? Are you serious? Like, this story's been building. The problem has been building. All of this stuff. Can't we make it a little more epic? Like, where's, like, where's the boom? And where's the hero? And where's the saving the world? Like, you're going to really start this whole thing off with, this is a record of the ancestors. (laughs) Like, really? Why? Let's take a look. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of who? and of, this is very interesting. See, what the writer is trying to say is, if you're going to have any real idea about what I'm about to say, you gotta know the whole story. See, if you're gonna have any idea of the one I'm about to talk to you about, you gotta know this stuff. So, he goes on, he actually lists the names one by one. And I promise you, I won't read those to you. (laughs) Thought about it, just kidding. Um, But he does, he lists the name one by one and then he ends it this way. He says, all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the Babylonian exile and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. What is he trying to say? He is trying to say, I cannot let you miss this. You have to catch this. This is the story between God and humanity that's been going on from the beginning of time. This is not a random guy. This is not something random that just started. This is what God has been up to from the very beginning. This is the one. This is the one that all these promises have been pointing to. This is the one. This is the wounded victor that will bring an end to the snake. This is the true human in God's image. This is the king that will bring renewal and restoration to the world. This is the one who I'm talking about. It's Who knew that a record of ancestors could tell you so much? It's trying to tell you it has all been building up to this. And to understand the beauty of this episode, you got to know the backstory. And there is so much there. There is so much history. And there is so much to this one man I'm about to tell you. It's been building up from the beginning of time. It is pointing to him. And so I wish I had a few months to overview the life of Jesus with you. I don't. But I want to do this overview that Peter uses um, in Acts as he's speaking to the people. He overviews it this way. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before, before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You killed the author of life, but God 
raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that, the, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus." Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So Jesus lived, he was handed over to be crucified, and he was raised to life again. And now Peter points forward to this time where God is going to restore the whole world where not only, he, not only the world and he, he's going to bring every, the whole world and humanity and our identity and our calling, he's going to bring it all to restoration. As a matter of fact, he points forward and, this, and the story, the whole Bible ends with revelations and, and it is a beautiful picture of this city that is coming down. It is called new, the New Jerusalem and it comes down with Jesus. It's King of Kings and Lord of Lords and it is a city of people of all backgrounds and nationalities nationalities and working and together and building towns and cultures and societies in complete unison, unity with their God. It is the place where finally humanity and God are completely united once again in this world and everything is finally brought to restoration. What is he trying to say? This is the mission that God has been on from the very beginning and this is the mission that Jesus came to fulfill and to start and to continue. This is the very mission. It is the restoration of all things. That is the goal. So what does this mean for us now? What, what does this mean for you and me today? So we are in this portion today in Fairview in 2019. We are in the story in the now and not yet. In, in theology, that's, that's what they call it. And what they mean is that the kingdom of God, Jesus has come to inaugurate it, to begin it, to start it, but it has not yet been fulfilled. That we see pockets and small tidbits of this restoration and renewal in hearts and in souls and in people and in the world, but it has not yet been brought to its fulfillment. So we live in this middle ground of the now and not yet. So what does that mean for us? Two things. One, we are called to hold on to this hope. Now see, the thing is, this hope, the Bible wants to make it very clear to you that it is not just 100 years old or 200 years old. It's not even 2,000 years old. It has been from the very beginning of time. It has been what God is up to from the very beginning. God has been up to renewal and restoration in our world for the whole time. God is, this is not something random. There is heritage. There is a rich history. God is not faithful only for a minute. God has not only been faithful for a year. He's been faithful in this promise, in this mission to bring renewal to our world, to people, to restoration from the very beginning. So it's not, nothing's going to stump him up. 
No matter how bad our world gets, the whatever this and that side and this side, and no matter how dark things may seem, God has been at work for way longer. God has been faithful for way longer. It's not a new thing. Jesus is at work, and he has come, and God is going to renew. God will bring restoration to our world. And that's hope because we are not just wandering through time and space. We're not just here just to be and live lives. No, there is a destination. God is at work and he has been at work. There is a purpose. There is a meaning. God is taking us somewhere. So all of our doing, all of our being is not mindless for nothing. God is at work. And the second thing I would say that this means for us is this, this is in our hands, not for entertainment, though it is entertaining. It gets pretty scandalous, but to, it's not for entertainment. It is to invite us in to the story that it's telling. The point is not that we would be spectators of an event but the point is to invite us into the very pages of this story. See, from the very beginning, God has been on a mission to bring renewal and restoration in our world, and he has always done it in partnership with people. From the very beginning of time, his goal, his plan has always been to do it with and through people. It's still the same today. It has not changed. God is still calling us not to be spectators of his mission, but we have a higher, more beautiful calling as people of God. It is to, this concept is insane, to partner with God, you and me. Wild. Oh, Eric, you don't know me, or man, you don't know how messed up I am. You're right, I don't, but I know that God, he's God, and he is calling you into the pages of this story. He is at work, and he is calling you and me to be in this story. That's why we read it. God, may I not be a spectator of what you're up to on earth, but may I be involved in what you're up to. It is a much more beautiful calling. So we can have the band come up and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm going to close. And so in this now and not yet of the kingdom of God, of all the promises of renewal and restoration, may we hold on to this ancient, beautiful hope that God has been up to from the beginning of time. And may we partner with him as we were created to do from the very beginning of time. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.